Well, amen and good morning. Welcome again. Happy Father's Day. I just want to say happy Father's Day one more time. If you, if you have a, yeah, a great father uh, or if you're a father in the house today and you, and you love them and you're thankful for them, just go ahead and give them a hand. Just give them a hand. We're very thankful for all that you do, uh, for your sacrifice. Uh, and, 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 I'm ex- and Jessica's here. That's why everyone's really clapping, right? She's, she's here. Uh, everything is fine and well in the world. Amen. Uh, and so, but we just want you to feel special and honored today. Uh, and so if, you're, if your father's still here today, you tell him that you love him. Amen. And you honor him today and you hug him, hug him tight. Uh, I'm thankful for the father that I had. He, he did so much in my life. He wasn't perfect, uh, but, but he did so much and raised, he did so uh, many things the right way in raising me. And so I'm very thankful uh, for him. And so today we're going to be looking at a special Father's Day message. We're going to be taking a little break from our, our series that we started a couple weeks back, Small Faith. Don't worry, we're going to resume that. I hope you all been enjoying that. Uh, but for today, uh, we're going we're gonna, to uh, do a special Father's Day message. And it's really, man, it's really my hope and prayer uh, that, that real men, real men would begin to step in and step up to the gifts and talents and the purpose of God in their life. Amen. And if you're a woman visiting here today, don't tune out today. Don't tune this message out because if you're praying for, if you're single and you're praying for a godly man or if you already have one, you need uh, this info so that you can begin to call this, recognize these things inside of him and, and pray it over him and call it out of him. Amen. And to be his best encourager and cheerleader in his corner. Amen. To help him uh, into this authentic manhood that we're going to be talking about. So that's the title of our message, Authentic Manhood. And so I just I wanted to start, start us off with a question. What is a real man anyway? The word authentic, it, it literally means genuine or, 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 or real or the original. And, and what is a real man anyway? And, and see, the world, it wants to define what a real man is, right? You have to uh, look a certain way. you got to have all the stuff. You got to have the car and the, the clothes and the and the the, the hair and the and, and the girl. You got to be able to drink more than than Billy Bob, and you got to be able to do more drugs than than Billy Bob. And if you can do that, then you're a real man, right? And that's so sad, and it's so confusing for young men growing up in this world today, because I was a young man once. I'm a middle-aged man now, and growing. Oh wow! Come on, somebody. I'm about to be 35. That's middle age. I know I look good, but I'm middle aged. But as a young man growing up, it's confusing. Because you think to yourself, how can I be this? This real man? When am I going to be a real man? You know what? And it's not something that just that just happens. It doesn't, you don't just become a man overnight and wake up and I'm a man. And so the Holy Spirit gave this to me uh, to kick this message off. The Holy Spirit showed me, he told me, he said, uh, real men don't arrive, they become. Real men don't arrive, they become. It's a, becoming a man is a lifelong process. I'm middle-aged and I am still not there yet. I am still learning what it looks like to be a man, to be be a husband, to be a pastor, to be a, a future father soon, any day now. 
And, and it's nothing that we ever attain. We don't ever arrive. It's, it's a constant process. And so the, 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 the material from this message today, I hope and pray that it, that it stir us up. That, that, that we, we, we start shortchanging ourselves and that we, we be thankful for the things that God is cultivating inside of us. Amen. And so let's look at that, let's look at that first point. And so a, a real man isn't a perfect man. He is an on-purpose man. Somebody say, on purpose man. Uh, he is the kind of man that God delights in. And so, see, this is the thing I'm talking about that's confusing for young men growing up. We, we think a real man is this perfect man. Y'all, there was no, there is no perfect man. There was, the only perfect man that there ever was, was Jesus. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe being perfect ain't all that, that, that uh, grand because what did they do to him? They crucified him on a cross because he was perfect. And, and so, but just hear me, uh, men uh, and women, because if you're, if you're single and you're looking for a man, there ain't a perfect man. <laughs> there ain't one. He don't exist. You better hope that he loves Jesus because he's the only perfect man. And to help your man grow into his authentic manhood, he's going to need Jesus. Amen. And, and so, but, but, but hear me, man. We got to stop striving uh, for, that, for that, false, that false thing that doesn't even exist. And we got to stop striving for this perfect life and this perfection that, that can't happen. And we got we to take a joy and start pursuing the progress uh, of this relationship that I have with God. And if you don't have a relationship with God, I promise you there'll be a chance for you today to accept him as your Lord and Savior. You need to start that process today. The, the progress uh, that you need in your life is this, 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 this progress of relationship with him. And so we've got to stop pursuing perfection, start pursuing progress in his purpose. And see, if I, if I stop seeing, chasing this thing that doesn't exist, and I, I begin to see the things that I'm, I'm doing better every day, I'm getting better, right? I can see God working in my life and I'm focusing on the, the process and the progress of my life, then I, then I actually begin to feel better about my life <laughs> and better about who I am and better of where I'm at and better of where I'm going. Amen? And so if you, hear me, if you pursue prog progress, you'll find contentment. You'll find joy. You'll find peace. If you pursue progress, you'll find contentment. If you pursue perfection, you'll be miserable. If you pursue perfection, you will be miserable. And not only will you be miserable, what is that going to do? That, that miserable feeling, that miserable spirit is going to wear off onto your family. And, and, and they see you feeling bad and they don't know you feel bad because you feel less than and you're, you're just beating yourself up all the time. And then they feel bad. And it's all because we're chasing this thing that doesn't exist. And God says, if you would just pursue me and enjoy the progress, enjoy the process of the relationship with me, you can find contentment. Amen and peace and joy. Amen. Let's look at Acts on 13.22. It says, uh, but God removed Saul and replaced him with David. Anybody know who David is? Right? David, King David. A man whom God said, I have found David's son Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And so God literally took David, who is described as a man after God's own heart, right? We just read it, and replaced him with King Saul, who was actually anointed to be king, but what? He was, he was angry, he was jealous. 
Uh, but he replaced him with David. Okay, that sounds pretty straightforward, pretty cool. Thank you, God. But did you know, if you read David's backstory a little bit, that David was far from perfect. He was pretty jacked up. He, he missed God in a big way a couple times. He was supposed to be off at war battle, and right, what was he doing? Checking out Bathsheba on the rooftop. Began to want her, right? Not just slept with her, had an affair, but then killed her husband. So how could he be the man after God's own heart? Because David, he wasn't perfect. And so many hear me. There's no, we're talking about there's no perfect man. But see, David, he knew he wasn't perfect. But what was he quick to do? He was quick to identify where he missed it. He was quick, not just to identify where he missed it, but he was quick to repent. And have real sorrow. I believe real sorrow from his sins. And so stop beating yourself up, man, about trying to, to chase this, this perfect life, this perfect manhood that doesn't exist. Stop wasting time doing that. But if you have truly messed up, if you've truly missed the mark, if you're in sin, you need to just get up, dust yourself off, ask forgiveness. And if God can, can use David... Who committed murder, I'm sure we don't have any murderers in the house, I hope not in Jesus' name, and forgive him, he can forgive you no matter what you've done. Amen? So that's what we got to do. We got to get ourselves up and dust ourselves off. Let's look at that next point. So a real man, he also, he doesn't always make the right decision. So there isn't a perfect man. We make mistakes, but he will always make his decisions Right. I love that. A real man doesn't always make the right decisions, but he makes his decisions right. And so we're going to make mistakes, right? There's no perfect person. We've established this. There's no perfect woman out there either. <laughs> see, women are struggling. They, all they see is the, the magazine covers and, and, the, and the models and stuff, and they struggle with that identity. But, you know, men struggle with that same identity, too. And so we're all lost. <laughs> and, and so, but, but, so there's no perfect in the world. And so we're going to make mistakes. But we can't focus on what we've done. We need to focus on what we do to make it right. It, stop, stop focusing on what I've done and focus on what am I doing to bring me out. To, to redeem this area of my life, to, to redeem this, this relationship, or redeem this, my relationship with God, or whatever it is that I'm, I'm doing, that I'm going through, that a storm maybe, that is tough. And, and so, it's not about what you've done, it's about what you do that is going to matter. Amen. We, we're going to mess up, we're going to make mistakes, we're going to miss it. You can't stay stuck in that, that place. And, See, because we're quick to own our victories, right? The things that we've done right, we get on Facebook and we tell everybody what we've done right. Uh, we tell everybody the victories that are going on in my life, but we sure don't share our, our, our failures, right? Our mess-ups, our mistakes. And so we got to be quick, just as quick to, to own our victories is owning our mistakes. David owned his mistakes. He repented. And he got up, dusted himself off, and he moved on. 
Amen? So let's look at that next point. And so <clears throat> we're going to go ahead and give you uh, this, this definition that I believe is the closest definition of what a real man looks like. Characteristics of oh, what a real man is, how he lives, how he looks. And we're going to be borrowing, uh, really this is a biblical definition, we're going to be borrowing it from our very own Band of Brothers uh, teaching material. Uh, and the man who, who runs uh, the videos that we teach and watch in our, in our men's groups is from Pastor Robert Lewis. And so if you want to write his name down, you can check him out. He has a lot of great material. And it's really his prayer that he just see men step into uh, the purpose of God. Amen. And if you've been paying attention to the world, you know it is crazy. And it's because there's so many fatherless children, people, dads that don't know how to be a father. Their father wasn't a perfect father. Uh, and so we're all just, we need this, this word and this definition of, of something that we can even pass down. I'm going to pass this down to Xander by the way I live. And when he asks, Dad, what is a real man? I'm going to give him this definition. These, these are four things that a real man is going to do and, and live. Amen? So here's the definition. A real man rejects passivity. He accepts responsibility. He leads courageously and expects the greater reward, God's reward. How do I know if I'm, if I'm doing what God has called me to do? If I can check these four boxes, more than likely, I, I am not just chasing a relationship with him. I'm chasing a real, authentic manhood in my life. Jesus is our standard, right? He's our measuring stick. Did Jesus do all four of these things? You better believe he did. Did he reject passivity? Yes, he was out there. He gathered 12 disciples, excuse me, and was for three and a half years, he was sharing the message of hope in the gospel that his father was promising through him, right? Did he accept responsibility? <laughs> he had the biggest responsibility known to man. He accepted it. And he proved that he accepted it by paying the ultimate sacrifice, right? That goes right into leading courageously. Even when it got tough, when it, when it got time for him to, to fulfill his ultimate purpose and ultimate calling, he led courageously. He didn't cower down. He didn't, he didn't say, no, this is getting too hard. I'm out. Thank God. And did he expect the greater reward, God's reward? That's why he did what he did. He did it for us so that we could be saved and our souls could be redeemed. But he also did it because he never lost sight of the Father. If you lose sight of your Father, you'll begin to, to question your, your true purpose and question the, the dreams that you have in your life. And when it gets tough and when it gets hard, if you lose sight of the Father, you'll say, you know what, is this really worth it? I'm so thankful Jesus never lost sight of his Father because <laughs> when it got close to... The time of being raised up, he might have said, you know what, is this worth it? But he loves you that much that it was. That it was. And that he did. And so, uh, as men, these are four characteristics, traits, that I can see and identify in my life, that if I'm, if I'm doing what God has called me to do, if, I, if I'm, am I chasing this real authentic manhood that I desire and want to have in my life? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, 11. It says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. 
But when I became a man, somebody say man, I put away childish things. And so to become a man, you got to grow up. It's that simple. To become a man, we have to grow up. And when I read those four things, that's exactly what growing up means. I have to begin to reject the passivity in my life because I am a man and God calls me to lead and speak life and speak truth and to be in the forefront of what's going on in the world. I have to accept responsibility. That's part of growing up. You have to begin to make your way and find your way and support yourself and support your family and have a job and, uh, uh, and hold that job down and be at that job on time and do the things that growing up means uh, growing up. And so I have to do these things. And so it's really uh, excuses versus execution. Becoming a man means I stop having excuses for myself. Because growing up is kind of painful. <laughs> oh, you, you kids, you got it made. You don't even know. So true. And you're sitting there thinking, I just can't wait to grow up. It goes by fast. And so we got to stop having excuses and we got to start executing, growing up through these four characteristics in our lives. Amen. And so let's look at that next point. So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of break each of these attributes, these really characteristics of God, uh, down one by one uh, so that you can have them and kind of just look at each one a little deeper. So that first one, a real man, he rejects passivity. Passivity is inactivity, if you didn't know what that means. It's just choosing not to, to choose, to just stand, stand in the background, to let other people kind of take charge, to let other people kind of take the lead, when maybe you know on the inside that you're called to be a leader. It's uncomfortable for you to step out. Just because it's uncomfortable for you to step out, it doesn't mean that God hasn't called you to do that. Because we want to stay in the background because it's comfy there. God calls us to reject that passivity, that inactivity. And it accepts uh, what happens without an active response or resistance. A man refuses to say nothing or do nothing. A real man refuses to say nothing or do nothing. And it's really that place of, of inactivity. Uh, and, you know, women, moms... You hold a place in the family that no one else holds. You are, you are literally the glue that helps keep, stick the family together. Uh, but see, I believe it's the man who is the, the, the tip of the spear. Woman, you're the glue that helps keep the family together. But man, you're the tip of the spear. And if you don't know that, you are. What does that mean? That means you are the spearhead. You are the head. And see, it's so backwards, I think, in a lot of families nowadays. The women, they are doing everything. They're, they're leading the whole charge of the family and they're taking the place of really what the man is supposed to do as far as leading and making decisions and, and paying bills. Uh, and, and that might be why uh, sons are growing up and they're even more confused than, they, than we already are. And it's because, man, we have to reject this passivity in our lives and we have to man up and grow up uh, and stop having excuses. Amen. And begin to do what God has asked us to do. Y'all, we, we can't lead by being passive or doing nothing or saying nothing. 
it's, it's a man's correct place to be at the head of the table. And so I hope that you know that. And let's look at that next scripture. I want to study this out a little bit. I believe, really, the, the first sin leads to passive behavior. And let me, let me challenge you this morning. Let's read it. It's uh, Genesis 3.6. Y'all heard it. Y'all know it. Uh, it says, The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it too. So see, Eve gets the blame, right? And even us men say, yeah, it was Eve's fault. She ate the, the fruit and then she gave it to her husband. But did you ever notice right there at the tail end of that verse, it says, then she gave some to her husband who was with her. Why don't you go ahead and underline that? Who was with her? And he ate it too. See, God gave Adam the authority over his family. Adam was first. God entrusted and made Eve from Adam. And so think of it like this. Maybe you haven't thought of it like this. And I'm not saying this is what officially happened, but it's very possible what could have happened. Maybe Adam was, wanted to eat it too, right? But he thought, maybe I'll let her eat it first. And let's see what happens. <laughs> right? The husband's never done that, right? But let me challenge you. It was really Adam's responsibility. He was with her to step in and say, you know what? We're not going to do this. Amen. We're not going to do this. It was his responsibility. And that's why Adam had to, to respond what God said when after this. <laughs> because he was accountable to what God entrusted to him. And so, so, man, hear me. We, what would have happened if, if Adam would have spoke up and led? If he would have spoke up and led, we might not be where we're at. And so if, you, if, you, if you're in seasons with your family, if you're watching your family, and if you're just standing back, not saying nothing, not doing nothing, knowing that what's going to happen may not be good, that's not good. And we have to step in and step up because you have a... You have a, a a voice, a, a voice of authority that, that only you have as a father. And so establishing order in a home <laughs> is challenging, right? But maybe some of us don't speak up because we know the, that the, the order that we want to establish that's going to be challenges that rise up, right? We can't always be the good guy. It, the, the, the decisions that you make might have to be tough, but it's going to be worth it. Amen. You know, we, we're supposed to have a great relationship with our kids, but we can't be our, our, our kids' friends all the time. Your kids are going to be angry with you at times. Don't let that shortchange your decision or what God is speaking into you to stand firm and to bring about order and establish a, a godly uh, authority and atmosphere in your home and in your house. Amen? Let's look at that next point. So a real man uh, rejects passivity, uh, and a real man accepts responsibility. A, a real man refuses to blame others and make excuses for his life. My response 
is my responsibility. Did you know that your response and <laughs> everything that you, you do and go through is actually your responsibility? We have so many people blaming other people for their response in their life. What did Adam say? What was his response to his responsibility? The woman that you gave me, right? And God's thinking it was your responsibility to step in and lead her. And you led her astray. And so it's um, our response is our responsibility. Uh, and responsibility is an awesome thing. And it's a part of, of growing up. And so sometimes the more responsibility gets thrown on us, we begin to feel weighted down and bogged down. And it begins to suck the life and energy out of us. But if you, we could see responsibility as a blessing, because the responsibility is is really a place for you to have a, a place of authority and influence on others and, and, and your family and other people around you. And see, if we don't accept the responsibility, and all we do is fuss and complain and whine, we can't win. We can't win if we keep whining. If you just whine and whine and fuss and complain, uh, you can't win the day. You can't seize the moment. You can't. You can't speak confidence and boldness into others and, and reproduce the life of God in others. Uh, because, you know, whining, complaining is not a good look. And you know what? Us men, we, 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 we kind of have a man code. You know, we, it's all about respect. And see, when you get a group of just men together, most of the time we don't complain. Because if you complain, it's a sign of weakness. And if I complain in front of my buddies, then it looks like, I'm not a real man because I'm complaining about something because it's all about competition with men. See, but what happens when the wife asks us to take out the garbage after I've been working all day, what do I do? I fuss and complain. And I can't seize the day. I, I can't be a great reflection of who Jesus is when, when, when I'm whining or complaining or fussing all the time. I need to just simply uh, man up, put the boots on, and... and, and and enjoy the responsibility that he's given me to, to be that tip of the spear, amen? And to do what he's called me to do. Let's look at uh, Genesis uh, 3.12. There it is, I went ahead. It says, uh, then the man replied, who was Adam, it is the woman that you gave me uh, who ate the fruit and I ate it. <laughs> Adam was not claiming his responsibility, Right? He was blaming others. And so even Adam did it. The natural tendency is for us to, to blame others for our mistakes. But when you own them, there is freedom to move forward. As long as you blame others for your problems and for your situation and your circumstances, you will stay stuck. Locked in your past and stuck in your, stuck in your presence and you can't move forward into your future until you own those mistakes, those things, the responsibility that was entrusted to you. And that's what David did so good at. That's why I believe he was God, uh, man, it's after God's own heart. It was because he, he was so good at that. If you read Psalms, <laughs> he was so honest with the way that he was feeling or going through. And he always, as soon as he would vent uh, and begin to, to go at God, right? We do that sometimes. It's okay to vent the frustration in your life. And then he always hinges it and turns it. But God, your promises. God, you say. God, I believe. I trust you. And, and so that's what we have to do. 
Uh, responsibility really is a good thing. I hope you begin to see it as a good thing. Uh, and, and born as a man, you got to know that that is an awesome gift. That is an awesome responsibility that you get to have that responsibility of being a man uh, and growing up in this world. Amen. Let's look at that next uh, point. So a real man uh, rejects passivity. He accepts his responsibility and he leads courageously. A real man does what is right even when it hurts. He sacrifices himself for those he has been called to lead. So leading courageously means that there is sacrifice that is involved. You men, you fathers, you sacrifice so much for your families. You go to work, you, you work around the house, you, you pay bills, you, you do date nights. You, I hope you do. If you don't, do date night with your wife. Continue to date your wife. No matter how many kids you've had, how many kids you have, how many kids you're having. <laughs> you know, because uh, you and your wife were before you and your kids, right? And so your marriage is really a ministry of the love of God. And if you cherish her in front of your children, they'll see that. And they'll want that when they grow up. And so, but sacrifice. And, and so, so men, we, and we identify with sacrifice. Most of us would die for our families in, in an instant. And so wives, hear me. When your husband says he loves you, he does. Even if you don't feel it, know that he would, he would die for you. He, he, he would die, he would lay his life down for you and for your family if it came down to it. It's a man code. It's ingrained in us. Sacrifice for our family because we love y'all that much. And so... But a real man, he leads even when he's not feeling it. Even when it gets tough, even when I want to complain, I have that natural tendency to want to point the blame when it's not my fault. Or if it is my fault, I still reject the fact that it's my fault. A real man it will lead even when he's not feeling it. We must always strive to reflect confidence, boldness, readiness, and preparation. As a man, as the tip of the spear, your family is looking to you. They're looking to us to, to be that example of confidence, boldness, readiness, preparation, to be able to answer all the questions even when we don't have the answers. That's why we need God in our lives to help us with the answers. But I just want to share a little bit about my life as a man and walking this out in my life because there are times when it's tough, and I know others are looking to me for, for inspiration or for hope or for a word, or and, and even though I'm not feeling it, I may be going through something tough myself. I have to, I have to man up uh, to be a reflection of who Jesus is for others at all times. People ask me sometimes, how do you, how do you pastor church? How do you bring a, a message every Sunday? Such an awesome message that makes me feel good. But you know what? When I first started, I, was I confident and bold every Sunday before I got on the stage? I'd be lying if I told you no. I'm just a, well, I went from middle-aged to young pastor all of a sudden. Middle-aged pastor, but who hasn't been doing it that long? So I don't have all the answers. But you know what God showed me even at the beginning of, of doing this? He said, they are looking to you for hope. And they need confidence and boldness. They need to see that in you. And I believe that's something that the, uh, David's men saw in him. They gathered around him because he, he was confident and bold no matter what he felt. 
He led courageously. And there are times as husbands, you know, we're, we, we ain't feeling it. And our family's looking to us to lead them. To lead them even when we're not feeling it. And, and hear me. Don't think that you, don't call yourself a liar if you lead courageously even though you're not feeling it. Because we'll tell ourselves, well, if I'm really not feeling it and I'm trying to lead and if I'm really not confident and bold but I'm acting as I am, then I'm a liar. And that's a lie from the enemy. You have to walk this out. And as you do it more and more and more, that confidence and boldness, is, it, it begins to grow inside of us. And it's cultivated. Amen. And before you know it, you're becoming more and more not like him. You're also becoming what a real man is and looks like. Amen. Let's read John 10, 14 through 15. It says, uh, this is Jesus. It says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as the Father knows me. I know the Father. So I, there it is, sacrifice my life for the sheep. Real leadership is sacrifice. You know you're leading when you're making sacrifices. Jesus, he paid the ultimate sacrifice, excuse me, sacrifice. And he led courageously through the sacrifice that he constantly lived and sowed uh, as he was here with us. Ephesians 5.25, it says, For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave his life up for her. And so, your sacrifice, men, will say more than any words you ever have to say. Your sacrifice will say more than anything you could ever say to your wife, to your family, to whoever it is that you're serving. And God proves this to us because what did he do all through the Old Testament? He told his children, how much I love you, how much I love you, how much I love you, how much I love you. I wish you'd listen to me. I wish you'd obey me because I love you so much. But what did they keep doing? They kept rebelling, right? Because maybe they didn't believe that God really loved them. So what did God do? He said, they won't listen to me. I can't tell them how much I love them enough, so I'm going to show them. And how did he show us that he loves us? Through Jesus, through sacrifice. And so your sacrifice is going to say more of how much you love your family than anything else. They will see sacrifice. They will identify with their sacrifice. And they'll know that you love and care about them because dad is sacrificing of himself for us. Just like the father, Abba Father, sacrificed for us. Amen? Let's look at that next point. <clears throat> That last characteristic. So a real man, he also expects the greater reward, God's reward. A real man lives to please the one who died for him. He lives for the external, I'm sorry, for the eternal, not the temporal. So as real men, we have to, be, we have to know and see that uh, heaven's real. And that, that really has to be the motivating factor underneath every decision that we make has to be about this greater reward, this, this, this heavenly perspective, this, 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 this um, gift that God is going to give us. And so real men are always thinking about heavenly perspective. If, you're, if we're always living to please him, he will continue to build our character and integrity. Doing the right thing when no one is looking. If I do everything that I do for him, for an audience of one, and not to impress my boss or to impress my coach or to, 
even impress my family, if I'm doing it for the sole purpose of my heavenly reward to please my heavenly Father, then He'll give that to me and my, my character, my becoming of an authentic man will naturally begin to happen. My character, my integrity will get stronger, will get more firm, will get more, more confident and more bold in my life. And do you know that he's always watching, he's always with us no matter where we go. Because if I do it for anything other than him, I'll take shortcuts. I'll take shortcuts, I'll take the easy way. Because it doesn't matter. If I know that everything you do matters, every decision, every choice that you make, it matters because he's with us, he sees us, he watches us. He knows your heart, he knows your motives. And so when we do it for him, my character is built. My integrity is built. And I can continue uh, becoming who God's called me to be. Amen. Let's read Matthew 6, 19 through 21. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy uh, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay for yourselves up treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So every time you do something for him, we lay up treasures in heaven. Do you know you can't take your house to heaven? You can't take your, your muscle car to heaven. You can't take your clothes. You can't take your money. You can't, can't even take your spouse to heaven with you. Hopefully they'll be there with you one day. But we don't get to take anything. We came into this world naked, and we're going to leave the same in a new heavenly body. But we can't take anything. And so it may seem valuable right now. It may seem uh, important right now. But are you storing up treasures in heaven while you're here now? What's your, what's your heavenly bank account look like right now? Every time you do something for him, you make a deposit. When you do something tough, something you don't necessarily want to sacrifice for him, bam, you make, it, you make a heavenly deposit. When you love your wife, when she's being unlovable, you make a heavenly deposit for his name. When your children are getting crazy and you, and you don't lose your cool and you, and you slow down enough to teach them and, and lead them and guide them, you store up treasures in heaven. Amen, that's what it's about. When you get to heaven, what's your, what, what's your house going to look like? What's your bank account going to look like? So that, 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 that's what it's about. We, we have to expect a greater reward, God's reward, and that's got to be motivating to us. Amen. The last uh, point says a real man, so we're going to wrap this up. A real man isn't a perfect man. He is an on-purpose man, right? He is a man that refuses to live life alone. And this is really where I want to close us off. Because that's another lie from the world that a real man can do it all himself. He doesn't need help. And as men, we struggle with asking for help. Help from other men, other people in our family. When we ask for help, it's a sign of weakness. That's something I had to grow out of. That's something I dealt with for a long time in my life. And I learned a lot of mistakes the hard way because I just I didn't want to ask for help. Asking for help does not make you less of a man. And so a real man sees he can't do life and everything on his own. He can't do all those things on his own. He needs help. He needs people that, that have his back, people that that love and care about him, his family, his church, other friends. If you are, 
if you are by yourself, you need some good Christian godly men in your life, some friends. Real men see that asking for help doesn't mean you're not a man. And uh, it's kind of cool. I got a Father's Day gift today, a special gift. And uh, uh, y'all know I love Batman. And uh, I always used to say, I, I, I like the Batman. My Batman's the one that doesn't need a Robin. I love Batman, but the Lord was showing me, I put this in my notes, and the, the gift that I got today was a shirt that my wife made. You know, her sister Samantha makes shirts, and so she made me a cool tie-a-dyed shirt, and it had a Batman mask on it, and then it had a little onesie for Xander with a Robin mask. <clears throat> I said, I didn't even know this was in the message today. <clears throat> even Batman needs a Robin. No matter how much of a man you think you are or that you are, you need a sidekick. You need a best friend. You need a group of close people, a, a group of three. And then, you know, that your, 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 your close friends know you, your, your deepest secrets, the things that you're going through. And then you have a bigger circle of maybe five to, to eight people, and they, they get to see a side of your life that you don't, you don't open totally up to them. And we have to have these groups in our lives, people that love and care about us and that have our back. And so a, a real man, he needs, he needs, he needs God, he needs family, and he needs friends. Let's look at those next couple scriptures. John 15, 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For with, without me, you can do nothing. So we need God. Jesus says, without him, we can't do nothing. Genesis 2, 18. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So what did he do? He gave him Eve. God needs, a man needs family. In Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Man needs friends, real Christian friends that really love you and care about you and that have your back, amen? So a real man needs God, family, and friends. We are actually, if you feel like maybe you don't have a lot of uh, uh, godly friends, you men, Next Saturday at 8, or 8 a.m., we are actually having a Band of Brothers breakfast at our Arab campus. Uh, we are going to eat really good, like all the stuff. Uh, and it's just a great uh, opportunity for you to come and hang out, meet some other men uh, from our other campus. And so I hope a lot of y'all uh, accept that invitation and come on out and see us and have fun and get connected. Amen. Get connected with some other godly men in your life. Amen. Because we need them. You can't do life alone. Every Batman needs a Robin, right? <clears throat> that was so cool this morning. His little onesie's going to be so cool. My little Robin man. Hey Amen. Can we go ahead and get the lights dimmed now? I'm sorry I went a little long. <clears throat> when Pastor Keith gave me this, uh, we went over the outline. I said, man, this going to be a struggle getting done on time. There's so much good information in there. But I want to do something a little different this morning. If you are, If you're a man with us this morning, I want you just to stand up. Just stand up confidently and boldly, amen. And now I want to invite y'all to come to this altar. Come to this altar. You don't have to kneel, just if you want to, you can. And I just want this to be a special moment. If, if, you're, if your man's up here, if he's your dad or your husband, you can come up and get behind him and, and lay hands on him if you want. Or if you just want to sit and, and, and put your hands out for him, you can. That is totally up to you. But I just want to have a moment here just to declare who these men are in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, wives, you, you need your man to, to, to step into this type of manhood, to lead your family, right? 
You've probably been sitting there this morning saying, amen, I wish he heard that, I hope he heard that. And so you need to be his best cheerleader as, he's, as he is trying to do this, becoming a man. It's something that we never officially get to do. It's a constant process. And so I just want to pray over us right now. So Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for all these men. We have flooded this altar. Such an amazing group of men. Father, God, my wife's holding my hand. Thank you, babe. God, and we, uh, we love them, God. And I just declare the gifts and talents and anointing over them, God, to, 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 to lead courageously for their families. God, to reject that passivity in their lives. God, that they would step into the purpose and call of God. God, that they would speak truth and stand for truth even when it gets tough or hard. God, that they would be a reflection of Jesus in their family. God, that when their family looks to them, they would see the love of Christ. God, and that they would, they would have the faith, God, to, 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 to believe in the big things and the dreams that they have for not just them, but for their families. And to believe it enough to stay put as they hold out for that promise of God. Lord, and that they would, God, everything that they would touch would prosper in Jesus' name. God, I, as a, a new, about-to-be-becoming father, God, I just impart this, this supernatural energy and excitement of what it means to be a man and be a father. God, I pray a special blessing over all the fathers that are here. God, that they see how important and how special they are. That they are literally their kid's only father. God, and that today, God, they love them like they never have. God, and that they see what you've called them to do and to be. And that they have life to speak. That they can speak that through their lives. God, I ask this, God, and, and believe it. God, the only way our world can get better, God, is that real men begin to step in and step up and grow up in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name I pray.